Welcome to the podcast B2B SaaS CEOs with me, Joseph Olsen, as your host. I'm the CEO and founder of the B2B SaaS company, VAM, that's helping sales teams increase their sales through video messaging. I started this podcast because one of my personal goals is to be a world-class B2B SaaS CEO, and therefore, I know that I need to learn from the best. So with that said, let's jump into the episode. Hi, my name is Mikkel Drucker. I'm the CEO at Nitigate, and you are listening to B2B SaaS CEOs. Hi, Mikkel, and welcome. Thank you, Josef. Great to be here. It's a pleasure to have you here. And uh, let's jump into it straight away. The first question I always ask my guest, Mikkel, what does Netigate do? Please do the elevator pitch. Oh, I've been uh, I've been longing to hear that question. I like that. So um, we believe that every person's voice has tremendous value and therefore we want to inspire our customers to take action through having a more holistic understanding of uh, the people that are close to them their opinions their feelings their voices in a less philosophical uh, wording we are an experience management SaaS company work on enabling customers to get feedback and insights from uh, the people that are closest to them i.e their employees and customers Nice. And uh, who are your ideal customers? I mean, feedback management is relevant for, for all companies all over the world. I think we are in particularly uh, relevant for medium-sized companies, companies with employees everywhere from 100 to 2,000 employees. Uh, whether you're in uh, Europe, the US, Asia, it doesn't really matter. Uh, we cater for most languages and um we have a great online solution that can be so you can purchase our product online as well. But it's it's essentially for companies that want to understand their customers and their employees in a better way, so that they can establish better relationship and more meaningful relationships. To shift the spotlight more on you, how did you end up as a CEO at Netigate? That's a great question. I was, uh, you know, practically I was approached um, and. Um, and then the process started. I think uh, mentally, uh, I've, I've read, never really wanted to become a CEO before. Why? Um, I've always associated that job with, uh, you know, ridiculous work hours and ridiculous pressure. But uh, I actually realized that um, all, all jobs have um, work, high workload and pressure. And uh, what I rather really enjoy not only with Netigate, but also in the role is that I get to focus on what I like the most, which is on uh, spending time on, on people, spending time on strategy um, and spending time on customers. And um, when I realized, I mean, yeah, you can say, duh, you, sh- you probably should have known that. But when I realized that I could spend all my time on that, it was a fairly uh, easy uh, decision for me to to become a CEO. And and uh, when the job at Netigate turned out, it's 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 a perfect company for me. It's a mid-sized company. It's growing. A lot of change is needed, so it fit my personality as well. I'm a I'm I'm a change-oriented person, and I don't like to sit still. Nice. And uh, what do you like the most about being a CEO? And Mickey, you have partly already answered it with customer strategy, but can we please dive a bit deeper here? 
what do you like with being the CEO? So I think, I mean, we all go through uh, lifelong journeys about who we are and what, what, what motivates us and what we like to do. And, and I started out being an engineer. So I'm an engineer by, by degree. And I, my first job was uh, in tech. And I think uh, f- fairly quickly realized that that wasn't for me. Um, and uh, over the years, I've grown into realizing that I am, I'm a generalist and I like general, broad, holistic views on the business. So what I enjoy a lot is is that broad view on the business. For me, there's I don't have any favorite teams. I don't have any favorite disciplines or favorite departments for me. And, and that's what I really like, that I don't have, there's no biases anymore. Um, you know, when I used to work in product, the, the, the bias was, you know, towards product. When I used to work in marketing, the bias was towards bar- marketing. And, and I really enjoy being neutral and, and fighting everyone's fight. That, that gives me perspective uh, and it gives me a lot of energy. And if we take it one layer deeper, why do you think, Mikkel, is it like you like the holistic approach and the general approach? Well, um, I like this. Uh, good questions. I, I mean, I'm, I'm learning here as well. I think I've personally that's where my that's my that's my preference my personal type uh, preference a broad amount of topics um, a, a lot of different balls in there at the same time and not necessarily the depth and so that's a personal preference for me uh, from a from a business perspective uh, I, I think it's a great preference to have because I think in reality, of course, I need to go really deep in certain elements of a, co- you know, a contract or a, a particular technology issue that we may have. Um, but business, all the elements in a company are connected. And would you say that juggling a lot of balls at the same time, is that something you have been liking to do for a period of 10, 20 years? Or is that something that has developed? No, I've always loved having multiple balls in the air, um, and uh, for me, it just it makes me feel alive. It makes me feel used. Uh, it makes me feel I, I I don't get stressed over the, over the amount of balls in the air. I I, I get uh, invigorated and and energized, and um, it it uh, sort of makes it gives me a feeling of progress and and moving forward. I also think that I would then require certain people around me uh, because I'm not always uh, the person that will catch the balls in the air. Of course. So, I mean, I, I try to surround around myself with people that, that complement me uh, with that. And I mean, the people I work with today, they, they know that this is how I work and, and we've had talks about it and, and sort of full transparency. So uh, I think it's also a matter of, of me recognizing that towards myself, but also being honest about it with my surroundings. Nice. And since you brought it up with compliment people and you, you can't catch all the balls, I, I want to move on to challenges. So, Mikkel, mm. what would you say are your biggest challenges right now? So, since I, I mean, this is my first job as CEO and and um, so I'm learning every day. I have a, a great chairman as i mentioned earlier and and we were very honest with each other in the recruitment process that there are certain things that i'm really good at and then there are certain things that i've never tried before that i would need help to learn so there are daily daily things that i learn right now we're going through a fundraising process 
never tried that before. Of course, it's a challenge for me to quickly read up on all the different elements around a fundraising process and raising capital so that I not only understand the situation, but also make sure that I take care of the, the best interest for the company. So for me, sort of the challenge is the constant learning. The starting point for me in the job was sort of product strategy and market expansions and culture and strategy, all areas that I'm comfortable with. Uh, but um, this, as an example now, is something I haven't done before. And that, that of course, challenges me. I would also say that I think it is challenging and, and, and tough constantly to recruit people, constantly to look for awesome people. And, and it, you know, recruitment has turned into sales now. And, and um, it's sort of like a constant need for either replacing or, or for building or for expanding uh, with new talent. And, um, I mean, I have to reinvent myself. Uh, the company has to reinvent uh, ourselves in our approach in, in talent acquisition. I think that is not only a challenge for me, but for, for a lot of companies at the moment. Yeah, those are some of the challenges. I mean, I, I probably have a long list if uh, if you gave me a little longer time <laughs> to answer. Yeah, but I'm not fishing for too long. I, 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 the, the best answers from my point of view is one to three things that you talk a bit more. Uh, and you talked about two things that, yeah, I think really interesting. So thank you for sharing, Mikkel. And then from the challenge aspect, I want to shift focus to the truly positive aspect now. If you want to be humble, you can say my management team or people in feedbacks are telling me, what would you say are your greatest strengths as a leader? I, of course, it's a combination of my own feelings and feedback. Um, but I think it's uh, the areas that I also enjoy the most, which is about um, creating relationships with people. I'm a very transparent leader. Uh, I am very open about who I am, what drives me, where my energy level is. So transparency is, is uh, a, a big one. I would also say that giving my coworkers space um, is another one. We talk about the word empowerment. It's sort of a little worn out, but it, it for me, it's really about trusting uh, the people that I have hired or that are in my organization to be the best that they can uh, by allowing them the space. So um, I had a call with the, our head designer today. And the first thing I said was, hey, I, I don't want to micromanage you, but I'm really interested in what you do. And I'm really interested in understanding your design strategy. And, and he said, hey, I know that. And I love that you're interested. So let's. So I, I think it is, it is uh, letting people be who they, who they are and who they can be and supporting them on that journey. So those are some of them that I'm, I think I'm good at facilitating change facilitating transformations in, in, in organizations and, and um, having done that for quite many years, I also enjoy it quite a lot. So I think, again, as I started saying, what I enjoy doing, uh, I think is also a little connected to what I'm good at. Here, I want to know a bit more when you say you're good at fa facilitating change. Can you give me three quick or five quick bullets? Because facilitating change, from my point of view, is really hard. Changing things, changing behavior. So please, Mikkel, give me give me some best practice here quickly, or some bullets. I I mean, I think for me, what what I feel has always worked well is uh, that whenever you're doing a change, it has to be crystal clear why we're doing the change. 
So the, the getting clear on why. The second one is uh, showing empathy. I know that this is difficult for you, or I know that this would imply changes for you. I know that, that this would be uncharted territory for you, but showing, showing empathy. The third one is uh, involvement. That is around the execution, both sort of framing and execution of the change. So really making sure that you involve a broader team so that it's not your agenda, but it becomes a collective agenda and you get change agents uh, on the way. Then I think it's about clear, measurable milestones. First, we're going to do this. This is how we measure success at that point. This is then we're going to do that. Um, and then the fifth one is probably, you asked for five, and the, the fifth one is probably transparent communication. We have reached this, uh, we've done this, uh, we are struggling with this, we have found out this, but having clear communication all the way and constantly reminding each other about why we're doing it. Because the why ultimately is what drives people's motivation and, and desire to move forward. Thanks for sharing. This was really, really great stuff that I will... I cut in this podcast myself. So this is a good way for me to listen again and learn. So yeah, t- thank you for sharing. Awesome nice. five steps. So we moved forward to frameworks and company goal system. Mikkel, how have you put up your framework that you measure goal, budgets, etc.? What, what do you use? So we use the philosophy of the uh, OKR framework. Um, I, I think it's a it's a fairly simple uh, framework to use. Uh, we have uh, an annual process where we do annual OKRs, and then we have quarterly OKRs. Should the quarterly OKRs be uh, sub OKRs to the annual, or are they separate? Absolutely, okay. yeah, absolutely. They have to deliver on the annual ones. And then we use uh, Monday.com to keep track of all our activities and our projects. Uh, that's also a good way to sort of, because I think in the end, it's about executing in a, in a simple, uh, holistic way. Shout out to them here. They listen. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it works. I mean, I think they know they're good, doing a good job, but um, I've used other specific OKR tools and I think it becomes a little too comprehensive and a little too complicated. Uh, but uh, yeah, OKR framework, uh, which essentially is the philosophy of, of must win battles as well. And then uh, Monday.com as a steering. And then a few, uh, then we have um, started doing what we call strategy buffet, which is uh, an awesome, difficult or, or weird combination of words, I know, but it's, 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 it's how we sort of kick off um, the OKRs in the quarter to the organization. So Essentially, everyone will, will be able to call into whatever session that they are interested in and, and in a 10-minute session get more familiar with the OKRs, uh, be, be, uh, be able to ask questions, clarifying questions and challenge. And that's the way we sort of roll it out and communicate to the organization. Interesting angle here. You're using OKRs on a year basis uh, with sub on quarter basis. And then is that your main framework connected to this, of course, the financial budget, et cetera, or do you have something more or is it financial budget and OKRs that is like your two combined frameworks? Yeah, we do. We do try uh, and we actually also have a, what I would call a three-year plan. I mean, three-year plans in SaaS is uh, an interesting endeavor, right? Um, but we have what I would call a fundamental strategy that outlines the market that we're in, the, the growth, or, you know, all the basic stuff. And then we put a lot of energy into our product vision as part of the um, fundamental strategy. 
And then based on that, we will then form our, our OKRs for the year. Uh, so there is a fundamental strategy uh, and then uh, OKR as the execution of the strategy. Right. And we try not to make it. We try not to make it too complicated because then you can end up spending three months a year exactly. on, on strategy and, yeah. and nine months executing it. So uh, now, uh, now I know about the frameworks you're using, and now I want to talk about your main KPIs. So, Mikkel, which three to five KPIs on a company level are the most important for Netigate? Well, we have three that are that are more important than others. We have the ARR growth uh, that that defines our success as a as a growth company. Then we have our net retention rates that defines our success with how we work with our customers, and then we have the ENPS that defines how successful uh, we are with each other as a company and as a culture. So, so, so th- th- they are like your three brightest stars that you keep track on as a CEO on a daily and weekly basis yes and that's what sort of connects everyone in the company then we have a million uh, leading and lagging uh, indicators from everything from uh, CAC to LCV to yeah, CAC ratio, all the usual uh, SaaS metrics and uh, we have uh, in the management team we have uh, a, a full day every month where we go through everything and align the business and 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 align ourselves towards our expectations. Um, but uh, the, and, and then each team would have their sub KPIs that they're, that they're steering by that connects the OKRs. But uh, we, we wanted to keep it relatively simple and have only three for the company that, that people work towards. And, and most people can, uh, everyone can relate to the ENPS. Most people can relate to the AR and the NR. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you, you mentioned it once a month with your management team. So, so I want to go a bit deeper here regarding how do you specify one-on-ones, management meetings? How often do you do and how much time do you put into it uh, on, on your schedule if you're going to take percentage, etc.? So I have a weekly one-on-ones with my direct reports. I have uh, six direct reports. How long is the, the, the one-on-ones? Yeah, it's uh, it's either thirty minutes or forty five minutes, uh, and then we have a fixed fixed schedule. Um, the um, uh, my direct report will send me an email the day before or or a chat the day before with topics, and if there's nothing that's urgent, then we skip it. Um, so that's uh, that's to ensure that we have that we can check in with each other. The topics are typically sort of uh, business oriented. Or uh, and or uh, personal development oriented. Apart from that, we have every three months we have personal development uh, conversations that are typically uh, two hours. Um, I have that with each one of them as well. Then the management team meets uh, two hours per week, uh, and uh, then every fourth time we have. Um, uh, six to eight hours together. That's where we take a more deep dive into the business, uh, align on the OKRs and, and the KPIs, etc. And the two hours every week are typically uh, th- themed uh, depending on what time of the month it is. Sometimes of the month it is, it's around our performance. Other times it's around our people. Other times it's about our product. So we try to sort of time it. Uh, and then there's always... Um, 
we try to have uh, check-ins uh, where we um, try to reset our our brains a bit. We're all coming from very hectic uh, environment, and and um, I appreciate that when we are together, we we are together, and we're in the in the meeting mentally as well as physically uh, or or over teams. Uh, but the mental uh, awareness and the mental presence is very important, and that's why we uh, we try different uh, check-in methods that that sort of allows you to to sort of tune in other than that uh, i actually have time in my calendar that i block when i'm in the different offices so i can walk around and um, and chat with people and how, how long time do you block for this uh typically i would so i'm going to frankfurt tomorrow for instance uh and for the rest of the week and there i'll I'll block an hour every morning for that and then i'll walk around and then i also typically will block my time around uh, lunch so that anyone who wants to have lunch with me can do that nice then we have uh, a thing called pizza and chat pizza and chat is uh, as you may probably guess it's a uh, it's uh, it's an evening uh, where uh, i invite um, four to six employees uh, for a casual conversation no agenda uh, i buy pizza uh, and uh, and a beer and then uh, they bring the topics that they want to discuss and then we get a more intimate conversation a very transparent conversation it's not about actions or solutions or anything else but it's about me connecting more to them it's about me understanding their issues and it's about them getting closer to me this was a really golden nugget from a leader's perspective so yeah well i mean we can thank you for sharing all these things but also the last thing because here realize for myself three strong things here check check so so yeah, we, we don't have so much time left. So quickly, you said you talked about offices. So then I need to ask you, are you an office first or remote first or hybrid? What type of company are you? Uh, we're, we're a hybrid. Uh, so um, we, um, first of all, our, our hiring policy is to hire talent wherever they are. Um, secondly, with, with the, the great employees that we have, uh, we want to give them the freedom to balance their lives. Um, so we have a policy where we are we're sort of expecting people to spend um, three to four days at the, uh, not three to four, two to four days uh, per week at the office. Um, and uh, it's also because we believe in the, in the random connections. We believe in the coffee chats. We believe in the energy that, uh, that you get. But then we also recognize that all jobs have, have uh, tasks and projects that can be done better, probably over Teams or over uh, Zoom meetings. So it's a, it's a mix, and uh, I, I think we try to adapt to uh, people's uh, personalities, people's differences, but also try to connect a culture where 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 when people are together physically, that we uh, that it's an exciting day at the office. Nice. Okay, so this question is purely nerdy myself that I want to get data points regarding my own use of sales and outreach, etc. So, Mikkel, what is the best way to do an outreach to you, a cold outreach? Uh, great question. I, I think a phone, phone will not work. If I don't have your phone number, I will not pick up. Uh, so, for me, it's, it's about a genuine, uh, no-bullshit type of email it can also be LinkedIn, uh, but for me, it's really about the honesty. I mean, I'd rather have you say, "Hey, I'm I'm contacting you because I want to sell," 
But, but what I enjoy about your company is this and this and that. Um, I, I, I will delete everything that I don't find genuine. Uh, and I always reply back to people when they when they send me a good outreach email that that uh, that are well thought through. So I reply back and say, "Hey, I'm not interested, but but kudos to your outreach; it works." Uh, so email, be genuine, uh, be direct, and know know about my company. Don't try to sell me feedback uh, <laughs> management if if I'm selling feedback management, right? So. <laughs> Great input here. And then from my perspective, I would add a quick VAM also to just show to you that I'm personal in my outreach also. But I, I already sent you a VAM and you liked it. So Yeah, yeah, you are very personal. Video video works great. Video really works great. I think VAM is a great tool for that. Thank you, Mikkel. And now we are going to the end now. I have my last three questions that I always end up with. So first one, if you would give yourself one top thing to think of, what would you tell yourself? I would say count to 10. I'm a pretty calm person um, and uh, I don't stress that easily, but counting to 10 is for me something that I have started to use more and more uh, in because I mean, you don't have, you're not, you're not expected to know everything as a CEO. Uh, you're expected to listen and you're expected to understand ultimately. But uh, don't assume you know everything. Don't assume people expect an answer from you straight away. But count to 10, reflect, and then provide um, provide feedback. So uh, reflect. Nice. Thank you. And then the second question here on the run-up. Uh, which other two B2B SaaS CEOs are you inspired by and would like to listen in my podcast in the future, Mikael? Huh. Let me think. Uh, yeah, I worked with uh, a great, at that time, she was uh, head of legal uh, at Trustpilot. And now she is the founder and CEO of Openly. Openly is a Danish uh, legal tech startup. Her name is Stine Tornmark. And Stine is awesome. She has awesome energy. She has awesome knowledge. And the, uh, the company is interesting. So I thought, I think you will have an interesting conversation. You asked for two or will you settle with one? It can be enough with one because timing is running out. And the last question, which platform is the best one to the listeners to follow you on? Where should they follow you? Probably LinkedIn is the best. So you who hear this, check out the description of this episode and press follow or connect with Mikkel there. And also to you who listen, thank you for listening. And if you like what you heard, please press the subscription button and Mikkel a huge thank you for putting aside 30 minutes with me to help me and the community keep on learning. Hey, thank you for reaching out and and, um, and taking your time as well. It's also valuable. Uh, I know you're in Mabea, so the, the sun is shining. So thanks for prioritizing me. 